The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out I'm in Melbourne today and I'm delighted to have David Hawkins, Chairman and Managing Director of Australia and New Zealand at BSF. Hello, good afternoon. Thanks, Andrea. So what does what does DNI, diversity inclusion, mean to you? Um, I think when I think about diversity and inclusion, I think we can go off into a very idealistic stance on what diversity and inclusion is and why it should be important. But I think when we started down our journey of diversity and inclusion, it came from a desire to want to create a great place to work. And I think that, I fundamentally think that a successful workplace and a workplace which is a great place to work is going to be diverse and inclusive. Mm. So I guess that's where, that's why it's important and that's what it means to me. I appreciate that. Um, so what, um, what sort of prompted BSF to kind of venture out onto the journey of creating it? Because obviously this, is, this isn't something that's been going on for sort of 20, 30 years. This is a new thing for, for BSF. So talk me through what sort of prompted them. Is this more you that is the driving force behind this? <laughs> yeah, look, I think that, um, I mean, clearly there's a, a global response to diversity and inclusion. And we certainly see inside of BSF, especially in the US and Canada, it's very well-established, well-developed mm. um, you know, often driven by societal norms that are in US and Canada. I guess the Germans have been a bit slower and <laughs> DSF is a German company at the end of the day. Um, and it certainly um, recognised the need for increased diversity and inclusion and in fact forms part of uh, our new CEO's view of where we can get better as an organisation. And there's certainly active measures now around increasing diversity and inclusion inside our business right. as a requirement to be a... I call it the leading chemical company, but also a very innovative company, which I think DNI becomes an important part. Yeah. And I guess my journey with DNI started actually with a um, quite a confronting session I did um, through one of the forums I attend, where uh, a, a lady talked about her career experience and how she had had to sort of deal with a lot of sexism and 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 how that affected her ability to to be successful in the workplace. And I guess when you overlay that with, I have three daughters with the yeah. view of what a personal view as to why that should be. And almost like the, the injustice of that um, certainly prompted a view that we had to, had to do something. But I think primarily it came through when we thought about leadership and we thought about what sort of leaders we wanted. Mm. I think the concept of leaders that can create an inclusive workplace yeah. are great leaders. 
in an inclusive workplace, everyone can come to work and be themselves, and that's what we're tr- striving to do. So it seemed a natural um, point to address because when we looked out at our workforce, we were 23% women. And wow. that didn't seem to gel with all those ideas. And, and when was that? that? When was that when you... Uh, we, we were 23% women in, well, really only 18 months ago, we were 23% women. So okay. in a rather small workforce, I mean, we were 500 yeah. odd. Yeah. Um, we were, we, and we were 23% women and had been for four years exactly. Okay. So it hadn't even progressed in any so way. Every, so every year. Forward or backwards. <laughs> we, we basically bought 60 new roles in every year. And we had somehow managed to maintain that perfect ratio through four consecutive years. Wow. Without any, obviously, recognition or trying or whatever. But mm. it was clearly that we had sort of reached that, that sort of point that said that when we go and recruit, we recruit like people in some common industries. And our industries are construction yeah, and mining yeah. and male some very male-dominated industries that we really were making no effort to try and change that. I mean, and one of our biggest challenges in Australia is our ability to grow our business in mature markets. And we're not going to do that by doing what we always have done. Right. So the ability to be different is also was an appealing factor. So there's lots of layers to that answer, but hopefully it addresses. It, it does. When you said 23% 18 months ago, what's that moved to now? So at the moment, it's around 27. Okay. Okay. So that is that is fairly considerable, you know, quite a good, a good amount for that period of time. That's that's Yeah, look, that's I think it's, it's good, but, um, you know, I think and we'll, we will have a divestment of our construction business that will make us in the low 30s. I think, um, you know, we, we probably think of a target 40, 40, 20, so 40% female, 40% male, and 20 of either, effectively. Right. And I think that's really what the sort of targets that we were heading to. So we've still got a long way to go. And this is for um, Australia, New Zealand. Okay. Australia, yeah. New Zealand, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So how did, you, how did you get to assess and understand your current position when you said you were 23%? So yeah. how did you, for anyone that's listening, that's perhaps embarking on um, a, a D&Y program and seeing yeah. where they are right now, how did you go about doing that? That would be quite useful for people. I mean, we, we basically, we, we drew our organization like a pyramid. So our layers became parts of that pyramid. And we, okay. we looked at what, at each level of the pyramid, uh, what percentage were men and what percentage were women. Mm-hmm. And of those that came into that pyramid, so from mm-hmm. outside, what percentage were men and women. And for mm-hmm. those that left that, uh, that part of the pyramid, either to be promoted, leave. Um, okay, so joiners, leavers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we and we started to get a feel for not just the the absolute number, which yeah. is sort of an easier one to get, but then how it was affected through our different levels. And and we clearly recognised our challenge was around, especially in operating units, so business units, getting a strong female talent pipeline in there. We were we were well short. Was there specific industries? I know you mentioned before the construction and the mining. Was there specific ones and at and, I mean, I and then levels biggest, that were? Yes. Look, I think the biggest challenges have been construction. Yeah. Our coatings business, which is effectively supplying paint coatings, to yeah. refinish markets, so mm-hmm. very trade orientated mm-hmm. spray painter background mm-hmm. type business. Of course, with a with an infrastructure on top, um, and mining was what wasn't so bad actually. We did have some. Really? Um, some women in mining. We didn't have a okay. big mining team, and we had an okay representation. So why was that different? Do you think? Um, look, I think that there's always been, you know, when I think back in my own career, we've I've always been an advocate for women. I think um, and have changed that not necessarily with a particularly strong 
plan behind that just mm-hmm. because I think there was a that, that good leaders will want to bring in um, the best the best people who can operate and make their businesses better yeah. and I think that in some we see some leaders come in who generally do that and some leaders who don't yeah. so I think without trying there are some people who just naturally sort of probably worked on this perhaps without a plan so much around it. So when so in term, when you mentioned sort of the pyramids, there wasn't any specific measurement tool then? You didn't go out, there wasn't something off the shelf or, or a company that came in to do that for you. It was just something that from an internal perspective, you were just able to pull that data together and do yeah. it. I mean, we're, we're lucky we're in a German company. We have lots of data to our, uh, you know, that's available to us. So we were not short of data. Well, look, okay. the, the, the process that we, we did use an organisation called Chief Executive Women, Okay. That that had that had um, come and talked to us about um, helping develop our leadership team and, and and some of the biases and things that that go in the normal course of business and they talked about one of these as a technique so it's one of the techniques that they use it's also one that the male champions use and it really is designed to help you understand it in a in a more nuanced way not just what your percentages because we can be diluted by high percentages where mm. Perhaps you know we might find a lot of women in in traditional, say, customer service yeah. administrative roles, and that may make up fifty percent of your workforce. Yes, yes. And people say, well, that's a good gender balance. Well, yeah. that's not a good gender no. balance. Yeah, we want to, I, so you're looking for an equal representation at all levels across absolutely. all of your yeah. all of your. Industries. I mean, I think we've really evolved it to this 40-40-20 view, and, and we're clearly not there yet. But um, developing a firma, a pipeline of, of really capable women who who will be the leaders of our future business mm. units has been our real challenge that we're we're meeting uh, we're doing better at. And you, you mentioned um, the chief executive women had come in and done some talks on sort of being free from bias. I mean, how how to how do BSF ensure, or at least BSF Australia New Zealand ensure that promotions are free from bias? Yeah, I mean we. Well, we had a DNI cancel, which which we started because okay. I think we started because of the view that, like, we had a lot of intent, but we had no idea. And then I don't think there is a standard playbook you can no. put. And so the yeah. whole point of the DNI cancel is to bring together ideas, try stuff, be action orientated, and mm-hmm. try to try to address some of these issues in a more holistic way than say a top down adjustment. And so one of the early things we identified in that DNI cancel was our how we went out and and look to attract people, how we recruited them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we recognised there was a significant amount of experience bias in our way we did it. And in also, well, in terms of we tended to favour experience. Okay. Ex- so, okay. So there might be like, for instance, you know, a uh, 20-year spray painter. Yeah. You know, um, and in doing so, we tended to have a lot of bias. It's going to be a guy. Unconscious bias yeah. In, yeah. In, in terms of really just taking any – any women out of the whole yeah. whole equation. Yeah. Um, so what we did was we looked at the way we were wording our ads. I think it, it went mm-hmm. back to not just looking at the wording, but looking at what was really required to be successful. So, you know, uh, and my experience says that I hear so many people talk about their jobs as to what is success and they generally relate the success to either a degree, an exp- mm. a, a particular experience mm-hmm. or a number of years. Now, mm. 
that's rarely my experience that those things are actually indicators <laughs> of success. I mean, yeah. usually it is actually about the quality of the person. Yes. Their ability to use that experience or learning capability to adjust to what this role requires. Yeah. And also your training development in terms and of how you upskill. And your ability to develop them, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and attitude and, and emotional intelligence and these things are becoming increasingly part of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think trying to bring a really strong questioning to, well, what's what's really required and so we actually put a, what was called a DNI ambassador to be part of that recruitment process so talk, so um, I want to go back one little bit yeah. when when you selected that council so who was on the council first of all it was voluntary so we offered oh, we asked okay. people to want who who had a passion for wanting to make a difference so, to come and join so what did it end up looking like in terms of the makeup of the people I think it was pre, it was 40 60 men and women I think of where it started um, 40 women what no was no that? sorry it's only there was I think 12 people on the team okay and uh, and and that was three years ago so when I first started three years ago mm-hmm. uh, in this role and uh, we continue now we we really rotate two years on they come off and we have new starters and so we've got basically about 25 advocates that's that have gone amazing. through the DNI no, council that's really good and it's evolved in terms of what it now does but in this case when it started it was really about saying well how do we how do we change the behavior in our organization to achieve the outcomes we want in a way that's going to be acceptable to others not to be so confronting where we put lots of rules around them of course and lots of processes that they won't like to follow um, the point was if we don't get a, a at least a 40 a 40 60 split gender balance yes. that the ambassador right. is called in so if you get a short list of 50 okay. 50 the ambassador is not called into that process okay. so they're called in where we haven't been able to get a short list of um, enough, usually it's women, it's not always women, yeah. but usually it's women, yeah. uh, and to really then question the hiring manager on some of this criteria and could we broaden it, could we think differently. Right, so you're educating the business as well. It isn't just all sort of led exactly by right. HR. It's a, it's a I mean, we combination. Want, we didn't want a process where we create a whole lot of resentment in the organisation yeah. and, yeah. and we lost any learning capability of the organisation to adapt to what we wanted. So I really thought this approach has worked and some of the examples would be we are, we are we're looking for a mining um, person who we – we're looking in Kalgoorlie for a mining person and we knew that by putting it in Kalgoorlie, we mm-hmm. simply couldn't get any women. So what that business did was look at that and say, you know what, why couldn't we put this role in Perth? And okay. if we hold that role in Perth, does that change our shortlist? And the answer mm. was absolutely it wow, does. Wow, of course. So it's really yep. that really sort sim- of – So quite a simple thing but a lot more thought around exactly how you're right. going to yep. attract. And how do, say, the recruitment firms that you're – partnering with out there in the market yep. how was that did you have to have a different relationship with them we did. Or? i mean we have a rpo model so we have okay people sitting inside our organization who, who are full-time for us are they're hudson aren't they they're they still hudson, hudson yeah. yeah it's okay you're allowed hudson. to say yeah, it's good. all right they're hudson. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're hudson and i think that i mean we've been really lucky because we've actually got some really great advocates for our business yeah. who are employed by hudson in an rpo model and yeah that when they saw what we were doing, they're part of. They join our DNI council and oh, give us a view of good. what's going on. They also um, are our gatekeeper around the um, ambassadors to make sure that they're called in and right. that we're getting the sort so of that support. process is still being and they've been through. really good at looking at things like our language. So they've also mm-hmm. looked at our job ads and making mm-hmm. sure that there was gender neutral language in there. We also okay. have changed the focus such that we put like, you know, the sort of workplace that we are and what we value. Um, and so they've been a key part of that. They also work really hard at getting that shortlist for us. And 
you know, at the end of the day, we're not, you know, they've just worked extremely hard to take probably a disproportionate percentage from the general population into our role. Absolutely. And I think that they've had to work, you know, that's been a real credit to them in yeah. all honesty. Yeah. In all honesty. And we, we're now using that to build our network of now capable people, capable yeah. women especially, yeah. that we may tap on the shoulder in future yeah. for, for roles that they may have been unsuccessful in. So, And have you had to take uh, people from completely different industries and bring them in? And, and, and if so, has it had a major effect in terms of how you are upskilling them? I mean, I think some. Right. We'd probably like to see more, to okay. be honest. I think one of the biggest um, examples would be agriculture. Agriculture is a okay. very big business for us. Okay. Um, and it requires a lot of market knowledge and understanding. That's clear. And I think that, you know, when we talk about where our, where our opportunity in agriculture, which we've got a very innovative pipeline, lots of new, new chemistry coming in that we think is going to really make a difference to the farmer. But we know that what is successful – in, in our business, we're using a, what is basically a, a distribution channel, so a channel to market. So we don't interface with a grower. That's where a, a, an intermediary like Landmark, these very big right. ag companies right. who are running more diverse businesses than just us, um, yeah. and how we interface with them and, and, and understanding what is really required in that role and how much ag knowledge do you need. Okay. To run an ag business. And right. it's like when you've got your, your spine of experience of, 20, 30 years plus of Australian ag experience, you, that gives you a lot of freedom to be able to think about what's you, really required. What's yeah. really required. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we're making some headways in that. We certainly took that challenge on, especially in the ag marketing, where we tapped someone from the shoulder from our internal organization in Canada to come and uh, wow. who has some, had a small amount of ag but actually has a corporate affairs background to now come and run our ag marketing program. And, okay. Uh, and she's doing a fantastic job and uh, – you know, and I think that sort of approach is something that, you know, we feel like we're making some progress. Yeah, and I think for people listen, I think for people that are embarking on that and are struggling to get to get more females in there, I think that's yeah. I think that's great advice for them. Um, having the DI council, but also if you've got a whether it's an RPO model or, or external recruitment firms or or in-house talent acquisition, just making sure that they're completely working through with the business and ensuring that they're looking at those numbers, I think that was really good advice. And I, and I guess ultimately it isn't, we understand it's not easy to change that. Yeah. We understand it's not, and I guess there has to be some time commitment and energy towards that. Mm. So I guess that's also a challenge for say an RPO model probably gives us a little bit more option because we've got that time effectively here. Yeah. But if you're on a per assignment basis, then maybe that has led in the past to um, perhaps uh, more simpler solutions yeah. that haven't addressed this issue. Yeah, yeah. it was interesting. I um, I was going to be doing a podcast with a lady um, in Melbourne who runs a recruitment firm called Work 180. I'm not sure if you're familiar yes. with do you, Are you familiar with them? Yes. Okay, cool. She's away, so she can yeah. see me this week. I'm going to do a Zoom call with her instead. Um, but I was just fascinated by that. In the yeah. um, For the listeners that are out there that don't know who, who what Work 180 are, they specifically are they're a recruitment firm that... Um, source talent for clients that have good diversity and inclusion yes. programs or they yeah. advise organizations on how to have um, better um, diversity projects which I thought was awesome I yeah, thought it was look, great I think there's space I, is, um, I think it's a ripe amount of space because I think organizations need help yes and um, it's not okay to not do it I think yeah yeah, but I mean, yeah. we've got, we don't have that in Asia at right. all. Okay. I think there are there are there are some recruitment firms that are um, have you know they have individuals that are passionate about um, empowerment and diversity, but they're not necessarily you know 
calling a specific department purely for the for, for women. So yeah. I know I do a bit of work with Archer Recruitment, and they're doing a lot more for they're, they're a construction and real estate rec- recruitment firm, and they're doing a lot more around that diversity piece because I realise that clients like yourselves are coming to them saying we need more women. Can you please concentrate on this? Can you be way more targeted than just giving us a short list of a load of blokes, which yes. is not what they're looking for at all. <laughs> um, now, we're soon to be facing five different generations working together. You know, it's it's been tagged as the multi-generational divide. Um, how will BSF consider how to engage and retain employees across generations? And are there any initiatives in sort of other organisation organisations that you've heard that can tackle that that have tackled that challenge? Look, I think we're we're at the cusp of this challenge already, mm. and I think we're also finding um, great experience in dealing with some of our very younger generation who are just yeah. entering the workforce, that dealing with their aspirations and their need for yeah. job rotation and other things. Yeah. So I think this is a really um, you know, it's going to be the workforce of the future. I think in mm-hmm. uh, five years' time, you know, I think it's, I'm not sure which generation is now, Gen Y. <laughs> I don't know, Gen, I get really confused. Gen Y, I think it's going to be something like 75% of the workforce. So yeah. I think what, what it all comes back to, and I think DNI is in the same place in terms of gender, is it comes back to the leadership that you do mm. and how you manage the sort of leadership environment that you encourage and the sort of leadership environment that you that you have in your organization. Mm. So, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it starts with empathy or an understanding or a connection with people to understand what they need and want and why. Yeah, and, what are their drivers, why they here. Say, let's walk yeah. in their shoes for a little while and yeah. understand what it is that they see. Yeah, across um, all generations. Because I think the younger generation are yeah. probably more articulate, aren't they, to they be are. able to say yeah. exactly this is what I'm motivated by, where I think the older generation kind of feel, can I say that? Am I allowed to say that out loud? Yeah, exactly <laughs> I'd rather right. only I'm say that to the, yeah. to, you know, at home as opposed to my boss, so... So I think that's where it starts. It starts with a conversation. I think it also starts with a realistically and a, and a sort of anchored in reality view of what you are able to do, what what you can do, what you maybe can't do, mm-hmm. um, and then actually you know showing an interest, creating an environment for them to 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 grow and develop and risk and experiment and actually find jobs that they find very difficult to want to leave. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, when we're dealing with the challenge of, of probably a much more mobile generation who are mm. who are going to expect, as a matter of course, certain things, yeah. then our leaders need to be ahead of that. And how? I mean, how are you finding? Because I'd appreciate that obviously BSF are quite traditional; they've been going around yeah. for a long time. And there's going to be people that've been in the business a long time. So how are they? I mean, from your experiences here, if people that are a little bit more long-standing, how do you deal with? That the, the younger generation and the you know whether it's BSF or any organisations that are out there, they're going to have a real mix of of yep. cultures and nationality, you know, nationalities and genders. And you know, is there any initiatives or anything that's worked for you, or perhaps not worked? That's been a complete um, that you can share with the listeners that might sort of shed a bit of light yeah. onto. So I guess a couple of things. I think that first of all that we've had some backlash. About, yeah. Yeah, especially from a probably a generation of probably um, more extensive tenured people okay. um, who have felt that we've been perhaps a little been a little bit challenging and a little bit over demanding on our things like gender representation and other things. So I think that's sort of part of the process you'll go through. Mm-hmm. And for me, diversity is not a women thing. It's yes. not actually a women thing. Yes. It's actually a society thing or a whole yeah. or workforce thing. And we know that more diverse workplaces are, you know, have higher engagement, mm-hmm. have better performance, mm-hmm. uh, more innovative, you know, we yeah. know, and generally better at 
customer and other mm. relationships, all the things we, we aspire to be. Absolutely. And so, you know, it, it is sort of interesting that if that was a new computer system, people wouldn't wouldn't question that. But yes. in terms of when it's a demographic like a gender or, a, yeah. or, or, or that they sort of think that that's, that's more, more challenging. And I think that's about making sure that we talk often with those people. We understand mm. that our, our, work, our workforce is them as well. Mm. For us, we recognise the need around development was a big step we found when we did a lot of um, focus groups. So early on in our DNI, we ran a lot of focus groups. We said, mm-hmm. well, what would this workplace look like to you? And development has probably been a key theme or lack thereof or views of lack thereof. And one of the issues that came out of the DNI Council was a, a process where we were matching um, projects that the business needed yeah. with people who showed an interest in that which would in, which would give them development opportunities that they wouldn't get in their normal roles. Right. And we tried to incorporate, especially those that could be mentors through that process, right. who could mentor new things. And it can get it's quite a diverse program. It's been an interesting challenge. It hasn't it's 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 we've, I think we've had five projects and we've sort of had some degree of success in getting some people okay. to apply to some of them. But okay, okay. So for instance it might be our display at the front here, which mm-hmm. is talking about you know, how do you build a display. So we put that out as one of the one of the ideas. One yeah. was a uh, quite a, a strategy project on uh, one was about how do we make our um, the way we work more easy so that we haven't got these whole lot of rules into how we work because people okay more flexibility well it's more about yeah, about understanding what are rules you know and what okay. are not rules and and okay. the rules are here so you don't have to question about whether this is a rule or not it's either it's here and otherwise Gosh, take that's it that's an interesting one take it as a guideline because yeah. you know we have way too many rules so that's that's a really interesting one because everyone is will view rules regulations procedures very differently depending on the yes. type of person they are so yeah. i can imagine that was yeah. a real challenge yes. for some people yeah. Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. So I think that's how we'd look to engage our, our, our people. Mm. I mean, look, we, we, would, we would love to see them play a more active mentoring role later in their career. And I think it's something that we will be working on in the future as to how we actually engage them better. But, um, you know, clearly we see change, especially mm. gender generational change as something that um, those that have been used to the way things are working are probably finding it difficult. Yeah. So. Yeah, so they need to embrace it a little bit more. Now, it can be quite daunting for men in the workplace when it comes to DNI. and um, They may be asking themselves questions like, you know, what can I do to be more involved? But I don't really know how to do it. Um, what if I say or do the wrong thing? You know, am I included in supporting the program for DNI? You know, what, what tips would you give those men that are asking themselves those questions? Because obviously, we, we, if, there, if there are more men in the workplace, we really do need their support to empower women and, and to be driving those programs. So I'd really be keen to hear your advice on that i mean i think that i mean in our context they can join our dni council so giving them a mechanism that they can contribute to and you know i think that like that's been very successful for us um and ultimately we we create a diverse workplace for men as well it's not a it's not a lose win Mm. mentality Mm. um and i think there's a you know when we put in the whole sort of context around unconscious bias and, and and other things that you know, really, men have had it good for a long time. To be honest, we've been in a position of privilege, and yes. and really, what we're not 
we're not asking them to not get jobs on merit, but let's review what merit really means to us because, yeah. you know, we talk about the male champions of change, the merit trap. You know, someone who looks like me, acts like me, is like me, is better than someone who isn't. Mm. You know, Very I think good. that's that's been a uh, that's been a something that we we continue to work on, and I think that to also say that this this is not as an exclusion to you. Yes, good point. So, so diversity mm. and, and and changes, and clearly we're looking at gender and other things, and you know we do get this where if we promote a, a woman, they say, well, did they get promoted because they're a woman? Yeah, or did the diversity they, card. Well, yeah, and it's like, well, I mean, and I say this, I'm, and I'll say it every time, is we don't promote people because they're a man or a woman, mm. we promote per- a person who is the right person for the job. We yes. understand that we want a broad spectrum of the sort of leaders we have mm. because we know we need that mm. because we need to think differently, act differently, be differently. And we need leaders who can, who can be agile and can, and can actually deal with ambiguity and can do yeah. all those things. Yeah. And we will look at our potential leaders in that way. We are probably looking at leaders a little differently to the past where maybe – 20 years experience doing this job was really important. Mm. It's less important for me in terms of the sort of leaders we want. Interesting. You mentioned male champions of change, which I'm really excited to know more about. Um, even this week when I was on a training course, someone mentioned it. So I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to hear all about it today. So tell me more, tell me more about male champions of change and what impact this has had on you personally and professionally. So male champions of Change was an organisation um, that was that was started as a result of wanting to well recognising the fact that if you want things to change, those in power are the best to change them, and and at the moment those in power are men. Yes, and so it recognised the need to to work with men who will advocate and support women just in, in terms of how we promote and how we develop women into our organisation. And so it's an organization that's about really putting an accountability to us mm. to do what we say we're going to do, mm. to give us a framework of key um, similar companies who have similar challenges. Oh, similar companies. So it would be sort of competitors or could, the same I sort mean, of industries as BSF, for It could be. So, for instance, um, I mean, we're, we're at what called a 2017 group. I think there's 15 groups. So okay. it starts and, and they're by their evolution over time so there's sporting groups there's um there's a group around i think uh real estate okay and a group around uh, um, uh government and military and other things and our right. group was a industri- mainly industrial group right. and we wasn't entirely industrial group but and we have people um you know people like fever energy who run a big refinery um we've got um people who run sort of small male dominated so Transdeps or a public transport provider. Okay, okay. Um, so people heard similar challenges about saying, well, generally low representation of women, yeah. mainly industrial, so heavy, more probably leaning towards heavy industry. We've got a truck assemblers and okay. uh, Cummins, the engine. Yes. Um, and so really we were able to come together. So the CEOs or MDs or local MDs of yeah. those organisations come together. We are steered through by a, by a um, representative, representative of male champions who, who helps us from the experience that's gained and from understanding and listening to us. And we have a sort of a facilitator who helps us do a lot of the, you know, um, thinking and acting in terms yes. of our own organisations. We have a yeah. shadow organisation of what we call implementation leads below us. What does that mean? Which means we nominate someone to to go and actually do a lot of the work, to be honest, in terms on of… On behalf of the, of the whole entire group, of, not, not your organisation. Well, on behalf of our organisation inside that group. 
And so, for instance, what did they do? They started off with, um, you know, we all agreed to run focus groups. So we did those focus groups. Okay. We all um, came back with what came of that. We analysed and we decided we had three major themes, oh. bold and inclusive leadership. We had everyday sexism and we had um, the, the net internal, uh, you know, the recruitment net. Everyday sexism. What, so everyday you- sexism <laughs> would be the sort of language and behaviours that we do that um, undermine or subject women to different language to what men would right, do. Right, okay. So that would be like... Subconsciously, people like, not even realising like, they're saying it. So that would be like saying to perhaps if there's one woman in the room, oh, you'll take the notes or <laughs> or that. So this sort of... <laughs> She'll get the coffee. Yeah, exactly. So the sort of ingrained <laughs> behaviour. I'm just, I'm just thinking back all the times I've probably yeah. been <laughs> That's brilliant. And, that, is so, that is so good. I like that. And so we take these sort of accumulated learnings of all these groups of male mm-hmm. champions and establish some um, initiatives in, that we take back to our organisations. And so so for us, uh, we took on the bold, inclusive leadership. That means we took on the concept of the leadership shadow, which is a um, CEW concept, Chief Executive Women concept. Okay. About um, as leaders, what shadow are you casting? Okay. A really great uh, way of helping you think, not just on gender, actually on all aspects of leadership, about when I behave this way, how is it perceived? How is that consistent with what I'm trying to achieve? And... Um, I understand that little things that go against what we say has very big impact. So what's our language to our, to our, how often do we use, and one I always say is I say guys a lot, for instance. Mm. And so just by mm. that simple thing, it's not intended and to be. And women do the same though. Women yeah. also say guys. Yeah. And so what, we, what <laughs> we're trying to do is trying to bring a much more awareness for, mm. th- th- for, um, for the sort of, behaviours that we expect, mm-hmm. we want to be leading that. So for us, that means we publish our, our numbers. So the male, male champions publish our, our numbers. We have a panel pledge. So we're often asked to speak at um, forums. So yeah. we become part of the panel. But generally, we find those are very male-dominated. Okay. So as part of the panel pledge is we won't talk at any at any panel that doesn't have equal representation <laughs> of men and women. And we will. So, so there's some real sort of this. public view of that. Yeah. We also are accountable to the things we say. So, for instance, um, I think right. the best example was uh, when Serena Williams, I'm not sure, you probably... Yes, so, the tennis, so, yeah, yeah. So Serena Williams, there was a, a, a local cartoonist wrote, did a, 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 a thing of Serena Williams after she had had that sort of um, incident. Tantrum. At, or, tantrum. Yes. At the, and, yes. and he had this sort of very... Um, Controversial cartoon. Yes, yes. And I um, and there was a lot of comment about it. Yeah. And Serena Williams' husband said, "Gee, you think the editor of that paper, who is a male champion of change, should be aware of the impact of this sort of stuff?" So, what, so you can was he was he a member of the male? He champion? was. Yeah. And Ooh. so, so you can see that okay. it really puts a public Absolutely. expectation on mm. how we will behave and mm. and the sort of expectations of what we'll do. So, although mm. we all know it's a I hate saying the word journey, but it's a, it's a process to go from to change. We are accountable to all the steps in that process. Yes. We are accountable to the targets that we are setting yes. and that we are setting targets. Yeah. Um, it's also changing those habits that you, that's you that been ingrained in men and women. Women are also probably guilty of also using some of those of wordings course. without yeah. without even realising yeah. the effect that it has. You mentioned the chief executive women. Um can you just talk me th- when you said that you guys took the bolt? See, look, I'm even saying you yeah. guys. See, I just, um, I'm going to stop myself now. <laughs> so the bold and inclusive leadership that you took for BSF, because um, another group took everyday sexism. Mm. So what was involved in that exactly then? 
Well, I think it was really up to us. So we had a small okay. group. So in our group, we had, for instance, Fever Energy and Cummins. And mm-hmm. we sat down and we said, what does this mean to us? Okay. What are we going to commit to? And what do we think made it makes a difference here? Okay. So we're thinking, well, how important is – and we talked about the view of what we say. What do we say when we get in front of our employees? What do, what do we value? How do we um, – you know, how do we be consistent with, with what we're talking about being reflective in, say, our policies? Okay, okay. What, you know, policies around, for instance, you know, domestic violence mm. or, or whatever, whatever other policies we think are appropriate. How do we, how do we be a voice on, on this matter? And you also see me take some car, podcasts and other things yeah, around. Yeah. DNI. This is what it means. It means to be yeah. an ambassador. We've also yeah. did some stuff. We'll do some processes around LinkedIn and other things to say this is the sort of leadership we – we are. Yes. This is the sort of expectation we have of our organisation. Yeah. And we are accountable to the things that we are saying around this. Yeah. And you're going to attract more people if they know that that's the culture of the organisation as well. Exactly it's right. more, yeah, it's going to, well, it's going to help. Isn't and it? I think the male champions of change is that safe environment for us to discuss mm. our, you know, our, our, our challenges. Yeah. What's well, your learning proce- process, isn't it, as well? So, so it's a safe environment that's well facilitated. We can connect into great support networks like Chief Executive Women, but also a whole lot of other one. And we've got one next week, for instance, an industrial roundtable where, so where it's actually the last three years. So groups, I think, um, 12, 13, 14 and 15 or something, all these groups are coming together, the, the parts that are common to our sort of industries and talking about, well, how do we move the dial again? Like we've moved the mm. dial with good intent and mm. other things, but what are what are innovative practices can we think about? Yeah, so, what's next? So we talk a lot of that that stuff as well. Is this just for Australia, New Zealand, or, or at just the moment Australia? it is? They're, they're starting. No, it's I think it's just for Australia. But okay. They're starting a group in Pakistan and they're starting a group in India. Okay. So they're starting to evolve out of out of Australia. So it isn't it's an organisation. It's yep, it's an organisation. I mean, okay. there's amount that we that we pay to, to, to okay. join that pay is not um, is, is, is not about profit generation it's about supporting the support yeah. you have so yes, it's about for paying yeah. for the facilitator basically mm. um, and there's an expectation that you uh, you know there are some things that you need to do you need a, there's a number of um, papers that they'll release like on everyday sexism they released a paper it's all this is on their website okay um, check them out I didn't realise they were an actual specific organisation I just thought it was a actually, group group that you no, put together. so it's actually um, a proper organisation okay. that drives uh, and it's got a, like all the pledges of the different policies and views that we as as people so that everyday sexism for instance there would be a list of sort of all the from those discussions from the other organisations there'd be themes that would come out that yes for people to be aware and to ensure that in their own organisations that they're not saying those kind of words or phrases or behaviours. Well, I think that the concept is that we build on the on the success of others. Mm. So where others have dealt with this challenge, how have they how have they done it? Mm. What have, what techniques have they used? What's worked? What hasn't worked? And we try not to, you know, we understand each situation is different, and there's certainly no uh, you must is yeah, part of the male champion yeah. of change. It really is up to you to drive your performance yeah. and to focus on the things you think is right for your organisation. There's no sort of minimum standard that you must meet other than certain pledges and certain yeah. con- consistency with what you're doing. It would be so. so useful to have this in Asia. I think, look, I really think it's, useful. I think it's something that it was uh, it really, uh, I guess I'm really passionate about it because yeah. um, it, helps, you know, it, it, it helps us. It recognises that, you know, that to get to get a more diverse leadership group, I mean, I always say, um, you know, we, we can change this by every person we promote and every person mm-hmm. we recruit. Mm-hmm. Every time we, we get an opportunity to change yes. 
our organisation and we make a choice. Yeah. It's clearly a choice that we have. What we've had in the past was perhaps a lot of um, a lot of things that we weren't always aware of that were dictating the sort of choices we were making. Yeah. But when we actually can sort of remove that veil and say, well, what what is it that we really want and need? What are we going to do to change that? Mm. And we change it by the people we advocate for, the people we promote. Yeah. And uh, and I I like the sort of the philosophy of that. I, and I, also, I, think, it's, I think it's absolutely fantastic. You yeah. you mentioned before that the panel pledge, that you won't go on to panels if there's no equal representation of women. Does that also cascade to if you're going out to a vendor or, you know, maybe you're putting a new software in, is that also something that, that the organisation look at in terms of when they're going out to, maybe it's a new database or that those organisations have representations of, you know, whether it's women um, in leadership positions or board members, etc. I mean, I think it, it's not stipulated that way, but I think that we also are increasing in both our customer side and our supplier side expecting the sort of organisations and behaviours that we are promoting. Mm. And I think that, so interesting, uh, we deal one of our big mining customers is BHP. We know that they have mm-hmm. some very visible mm. and active chain, uh, views of where they're heading with their gender diversity. And we think yeah. that, so so we're not sitting in a vacuum here. We're yeah. sitting, working with these customers. And we know that these workforces are changing. The mining industry has changed considerably in terms of those still very low representation changing quite actively mm. and so we know the mind side of the future a might's going to have a lot more digitalization and be mm. a lot more centrally controlled but it's also going to definitely have more women on it and definitely going to yeah. have different value systems than what they've had in the past yeah. and, uh, and we think that to, inter- to to be successful in the mining industry we need to be like that too yeah absolutely we can't be like what it was 20 years ago so no. there's an element of uh, of good business and good practice um as part of that, I think one of the examples in our ag space is, you know, we got a, con- a contractor in that had that bought very um, perhaps old-fashioned type behaviour and old-fashioned language, mm-hmm. and that was not ex- so. So we basically said, look, that's not what we want to hear from you. We don't want to have loves and other things, <laughs> and we know you don't mean badly of that, but that's not the world that we're in. And so yeah, we well, have to play the role of actually yeah. saying, and especially in a yeah. in a relationship where you're. Up. Taking a taking a service from someone, mm. not in a ridiculous way, but it's a way that you you have to be consistent with what mm. you're saying. And for us, that would be saying, for those that would create a problem in the long run around provision, we would we would definitely use that as a criteria to change or move wow. or adapt. And I think that's something that we will uh, we will continue to develop. Yeah, I, I I just feel like I've I've learned lots more within the diversity inclusion. I think there's it's such a big field anyway. But you guys are, you guys, I'm, yeah. I'm, see, there we go. Everyday sexism. Um, I'm keen to, just to round off um, the, the questions today. What, what sort of bo- books or podcasts or articles or anything that you're reading at the moment or have read that's on the topic of, on the topic of D&I, especially to the men listeners out there that may encourage them to also kind of be passionate and, and you know, be an advocate of D&I? Okay. I mean, I guess... I'm Other a, than this one, obviously. Yeah, look, no. I'm a, look, I'm a numbers person and I've got to say, you know where we started? You know what my awareness started? You know, when we talk about um, gender pay gap mm-hmm. and you sit there and, and it was an interesting reflection actually. My 12-year-old daughter, uh, I have twin 12-year-olds and a 14-year-old, my 12-year-old daughter will sit down and she was amazed. She said, did you know 
did you know that women actually get paid less than men? <laughs> and did you know that women who have the same experience don't get the same opportunity yeah, as men? Is it's this, heartbreaking, isn't is it? Is this right? Mm. You know, almost like what is going on here? Yeah. Um, and when we look at the, there's a number of gender pay gap statistics that Australia does. So just starting with the raw numbers, because I think for me, I'm a, I'm, numbers work for me. Yeah. Um, hearing stories of, so getting the opportunity to hear what it really means to the person and this particular uh, woman, I won't name her, she was a very powerful story on how, um, you know, basically, um, you know, workforce bullying, for want of a better term, had yeah. affected her and her career right. and how listening to even some of my female um, leaders about what what they have to go through every day yeah. or that we just don't see yeah. or don't aren't yeah, aware of yeah. or don't realise. It's like a different frequency in a way, isn't uh, it's it? It's about what it's, yeah. what it's like. And I think it comes back to walking in someone else's shoes. So those mm. are the things. I did read Sheryl Sandberg's book recently. The, 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 the latest one, when her husband died or the uh, first no, the one. the first one. What yeah. did you think of it? I thought it was interesting. I mean, there's some really interesting <laughs> things in there and really part of our challenge as to how, um, how choices made by women in times of things like um, having, having children yes. and how that affects their career yeah. path. And interesting, we're you know we're looking at that challenge now and say you know like what how do we become better at this not being part of the problem? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read I've I've read both of her books. Yeah. I I think as you say, there are some good parts in it. I think she's I think she's from a different you know she's quite upper class, and I yes. think her network of um, is slightly different from most people that are really yes. for most people that have those challenges aren't necessarily in her you know the world that she lives in is quite different um, is there any other is there any other I mean, things I've been reading you... a little bit about Brené Brown and especially like her yes my husband's on, read, just read that yes I did, um, is around vulnerability and how she mm. thinks about that and I think this is key to how we build inclusive workplaces yeah. and how do we how do we build how, how do we break the mold of stereotypical perhaps male leadership around an alpha male leader role model and i think in my honest opinion that that role model's gone mm. and, and we're a different sort of mm. sort of leader is required for mm. this generational change yeah. thing so there's a bit of that there's some um, some stuff that's coming out of chief executive women some papers okay. i mean certainly stuff out of male champions of change and there's a lot of stuff on the website I'll that's put helped that on, us. i'll put those um, i'll look for those information put them on my website then so that people can at least you know know where to, what to refer to and i think that i mean mm. the, for me i think that i mean i don't think you can go looking for a singular answer there's no mm. oh who knew we just had to do this you know yeah exactly. it is a nuanced problem it is not a it's not an easy problem yeah you know one of the challenges we face when we want a different workforce is just the time and effort into developing a different employee mm. and when you're feeling like you've got enough you know too much work to do and you have to bring someone new in and you, you know you can understand that the want to yes to accelerate that process and pick someone who has done it before and and, and, and and you know so you've got to really work against some of these organizational norms Absolutely. that have developed so yeah. for me I think it's um, it's very much I've not felt that it was my answer and that's why we wanted the yeah. DNI council is that I don't pretend to know all the answers yeah. I get a network through male champions and other things yeah. that yeah. give me insights which I share with the DNI council yeah. um, I have a, a, a an implementer who helps me a lot is my implementation lead. Okay. Um, you know, we recently, we've appointed a key role, which was our um, HR and corporate affairs lead. And you know, um, she had some experience in, in D&I and the big four. So that's 
it's also brings mm. some capability mm. into our organisation. But I'm just thinking for yeah. Asia, there's no reason why organisations that have common, you know, sort of if it's chemicals or industrials or whatever, if they can get together and, and I know it needs to be more formalised, but it could at least start from somewhere. I'm course, not that yeah. I'm aware that those things are going yeah. on. But also I think for, for women is just having a, having a mentor, whether it's someone that's official or someone that you seek out internally or externally, whether that's a man or a woman. You yeah. know, it's not it's not about yeah. always just and having guess, a female role model. And I guess we did some mentor. We, we introduced our mentoring program last year, so we generally did that for our identified high performers. But we thought, hey, if we really want to be this inclusive workforce, we should be yeah. extending that to really anyone who wants it. Absolutely. And so we actually had pretty good uptake, and we really worked hard to create. Um, good dynamics with that mentoring relationship. So mm. it wasn't sort of one way. It was very much a mm. two way. So generational yeah, and like gender. So, oh, boom. So we really try Love to it. do that. Now, um, you know, we talk a lot. I mean, and for instance, what does that mean in terms of the Me Too movement? Mm. And what are what is that implications? And that's the sort of mm. stuff, by the way, we talk about in the Male Champions of Change. Mm. What does this mean for people, you know, is a senior male going to want to mentor a junior female yeah. in the world of, me too. Well, you know, we've. Gosh, that's interesting, isn't it? So it just yeah. brings so many layers of, of challenge yeah. and complexity. But, I, and, and, you know, I don't proclaim to be an uh, expert in solving problems, but I do think that we, if we talk about things that we want to be, if we, you know, we have the capability to be those things. Yeah. And that requires action and change from us. It requires us to act and think differently. And I think gender is just such a, um, you know, it's almost like such a non negotiable for me. Yeah. That you know, it's almost like it's almost hard to believe that we got to this situation. Yeah. It's almost hard to believe we're here. Yes, but we're here, and yeah. generational change is not going to fix it. I think that's the other thing. Yes. We can't just wait. No, it's not just going to all of yeah. a sudden become better. Thank you so much for spending time with me today, and Thank you. I am going to collate all that information and put it on an insights page that will be on the career establishment website. Um, and I'm I'm going to also be finding out a little bit more information about male champions of change i gather all the um sort of insights or tips that you guys pick up do you, you put them all you consolidate yes, them web. all on the website it's okay the web, great available. okay yeah. i'm going to put on there thank you so much for your time thank you thanks bye bye you have been listening to talent talk asia podcast by the career establishment to learn more about the career establishment our people and our latest thinking visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on linkedin twitter and facebook 